Before we get this episode started, I wanted to thank the people over at Wicked Cat Clothing for sponsoring this episode. Wicked Cat Clothing is an apparel brand that's dedicated to Halloween, horror, paranormal, and of course, cats. It's a company that celebrates Halloween and the horror all year long. Now, for an indefinite amount of time, you can use code juryroom30 to get 30% off on your order at checkout. That's right. Make sure you use code juryroom30 at your time of checkout. Go check out Wicked Cat Clothing and show them support for supporting the Jury Room podcast. Again, that's Wicked Cat Clothing. All links for Wicked Cat Clothing will be in the description box below. That's Wicked Cat Clothing, code juryroom30 at your time of checkout. Thank you. Warning, the following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, these stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Welcome back to another episode of the Jury Room Aftermath. Today, I'm excited to have the ladies from the Complicit Podcast. We have Hillary Wadsworth and Caitlin Boddy. We're going to be visiting the horrendous story that is H.H. Holmes. But first, why don't you guys introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about your podcast, or tell the listeners, I should say, and we'll go from there. Okay. Hi, I'm Caitlin Boddy, uh, co-host of Complicit. I'm Hillary Wadsworth. And we started Complicit, uh, we, we called it Complicit, a true mystery podcast. It follows the mysterious disappearance of now 30-year-old at the time of this recording, Lauren DeMolo from her home in Cape Coral, Florida on June 19th, 2020, which today is actually the one-year anniversary of her disappearance. Her case remains unsolved and is just clouded in baffling mystery um, Many, many strange things led up to her disappearance um, in the month just prior, um, and a lot has been uncovered since, but we still don't know where Lauren is or what happened to her. So we um, go deep into the case alongside her family, her friends, some other experts, the private investigator, and we're investigating what, what truly happened to Lauren and why. Are you guys any closer today to solving it than you were when you started? Yes. And by we, I'm going to actually credit the Cape Coral Police Department. Um, there, We can't really talk about people who they have in custody right now. There are three publicly named persons of interest who conveniently aren't talking. They are actually in jail, incarcerated at the moment, awaiting trials on other charges not related to Lauren, but the police do have their suspicions that they're involved. And so they've publicly named them as persons of interest. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons is one of the last text messages Lauren sent from her phone, um, went to two out of these three individuals. So 
you know, there, there's some suspicion that they were the last people to see her, even though there are three witnesses who put her, um, alive after the fact, um, and spot her after the fact, those three witnesses have uncorroborated, um, uh, you know, uh, accounts, um, versus the technology accounts and pings and so forth and security and surveillance videos. So, um, you know, that, that sort of brings their accounts into question, but yeah, I, I think, I think the case will be solved. It's a matter of when someone's going to start talking and giving definitive answers. Right. And so you had mentioned that today is the year anniversary at the time of this recording, I guess I should say, um, did you guys, were you guys able to do some kind of anniversary episode for it? Yes. So we released just this morning a bonus Q&A episode with Paul DeMolo, Lauren's father. We got a lot of listener questions in, so just wanting us to expand on some details. And obviously we couldn't answer all of them because, not because we didn't have time or didn't want to, but because there is some information that we are not allowed to release yet per the Cape Coral Police Department. So um, we answered what we could and we went deeper on what we could with Paul. And so that came out today. Um, locally in Cape Coral, Florida, there is a bench dedicating dedi- dedication ceremony to Lauren today. It's a park. She was very close to her house. It's where she was known to go every day to meditate. Um, it's called Four Freedoms Park in Cape Coral. If anyone wants to go check it out and sit on Lauren's bench. And it's dedicated to her. It was also one of the last places we know she was. Um, It's also the focus of the investigation because it's where her belongings started showing up after her disappearance. Some items planted in plain sight. Um, So it's it's definitely a focal point of the case of Lauren's life. And now there's a bench with Lauren's name on it. um, And the dedication ceremony is today. Right. And that's such a a sad experience to have, you know, I mean, it's definitely awesome to be able to celebrate her life like that, you know, with the dedication of a bench, but it's also sad that it had to come to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a percentage of people um, and, you know, a percentage within each person that hopes she's still alive and just out there. And I don't know, something happened, got confused. You know, there's, there's a million possibilities. I think, the the general thinking is that something you know terrible happened and it you know but there is that hope there's there's been no body discovered um you know there's still hope is it possible that she was trafficked yeah it's definitely a possibility it's you know the area is not you know, it's not like this 100% safe area where this, you've never heard of these types of things before. It certainly happened before. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that Paul DeMolo discovered when he went down initially to look for his daughter was a sex trafficking ring and the FBI took over. (laughs) So, you know, they don't believe it had anything to do with Lauren, but it, it exists in the area is more the point. So yeah, I mean, really anything is still possible and we're just following where the evidence leads right well (laughs) go ahead oh i was gonna say and unfortunately at this point one year later you're we're all kind of hoping she's been sex trafficked because that keeps her alive and findable and returnable to her friends and family and normal life at some point but there are there are definitely a few who believe that um wholeheartedly think that yes that's definitely what happened and she's definitely still alive and we got to find her 
But like Hillary said, I don't know. It's been a year with no signs or contact, so right, probably unlikely. Right, and it's it's one of those situations that you really it's going to just remain a mystery until it's not right. And unfortunately, today, a year later, we still don't have the answers. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I'm a fan of your guys's podcast for sure. I've listened to almost every single episode, I think, except for the new one. And it's, you guys do a great job and that's why I asked you on, um, you know, plus you, I'm just a fan of you guys. So thanks for coming on and I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us. But today we're going to move on and we're going to go on to HH Holmes. I guess you would call it the OG of serial killers, right? Yeah, the America's first. <laughs> right. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of uh influence that he's definitely had through that through pulp uh, blah, blah, through pop culture with the whole, you know, like American horror story tried to portray him and his murder mansion or at least aspects of the murder mansion and so on and so forth. So he's definitely had an influence, you know, just from the grave, you know, a hundred years ago, basically now. Mm-hmm. So what are your guys' thoughts or opinions on H.H. Holmes or when were you guys first exposed to him? You know, give me your take on him. (laughs) Okay. um, Well, I was first exposed to the story of and the history of H.H. Holmes a few years ago. Um, I am a lifelong, this is going to sound really creepy, but like a lifelong serial killer obsessed person. (laughs) Um, I love crime murders. I, I like the aspect of um, learning about these people and like why they were doing what they were doing or or just like the crazy mental states that they were in uh, when they decided to become <laughs> murderers. Um, and I also, uh, obviously, as evidenced by the podcast that we're doing, I love a, a good unsolved situation too. I think as a child, I watched every unsolved mysteries tape that I could rent at the video store. I mean, I think that was like my Friday night excitement was unsolved mysteries. Um, yeah, it's, it's like such an, and it's awful, awful. If you think about it, it's a horrible thing to say like, Oh, I love killers and, and death, but you know, I don't obviously love those things in reality. Right. It's not a, uh, it's not one of the, I always feel bad when I'm like, Oh my God, that's such a great episode. And they're talking about something horrendous. Right. But it's, yeah. it's like one of those things that it's just a, a, a healthy fascination. Why? Why are people like that? What drove them to do that? What what made them tick? You know, because me personally, I could never do half of the things, even a percentage of the things that we talk about or that we cover. But it's mm-hmm. like, why why did they do it? Yeah, exactly. So I went down this rabbit hole a few years ago where I had already kind of caught myself up on modern day serial killers and psychopaths. And I was looking for something new to learn about and kind of like, you know, just watch in awe and say, who is this person? And why was it so crazy? Um, And I wasn't looking for H.H. Holmes. He found me. I actually, (laughs) um, I actually stumbled across a documentary 
about Carl Panzram, who's like another old school serial killer guy, like back in the day, like his, he was jailed in like a tower um, and he escaped a bunch of times because there was like no security back then. And when I finished that one, it was suggested to me on, I forget what streaming I was even on. It was years ago. But so then I was like, H.H. Holmes, who is this? So I uh, watched like a, a janky, like it looked like someone made a PowerPoint presentation and turned it into a documentary film somehow uh, about him and when they started talking about his murder castle you know the hotel that he built I was just like wait what someone constructed this like super malicious basically like lure for the people visiting Chicago to like and it had trap doors and secret stairways and incinerators and and acid tanks. The only time I'd ever seen an acid tank was in the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I didn't think those were real. So I was like, this is insane. So I just became really obsessed with H.H. Holmes. And then I, I just went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> That's my, I accidentally, he found me because I found Carl Panzram, which is another creepy guy if you haven't looked into. Good I have him. not heard of him, but I'm definitely going to go look him up after Ooh. we're done recording here. He's another one. Good luck. Enjoy. <laughs> really something special. But, you know, that's and, and that's just it, man. What drove this guy to want to mess with people like have stairways that lead to nothing or just have, you know, like stair or, or open a door and it goes to a brick wall or have an airtight chamber within his office. So that way he could just throw somebody in there and then they die because they can't get any oxygen. Yeah. Oh, and that room that was rigged with gas, like the right. airtight room that he gassed people in. Like what? Right. It's crazy. It's all of it's crazy. And I don't, and he was just, you know, a, a low level. I, I mean, not after his death, obviously the, the, the legend of, of H.H. H. Holmes was born, but you know, the, he was just a low level con man, you know, he was, you know, insurance fraud, which to me is learning about that period comparing it to now is fascinating because literally you could be one person in one city, move to another city and be a completely different person. And he did so right. many times, right over and over again. And nobody, you know, was none the wiser until they started investigating it. You know, I think he even married his wives under different names. Yeah. Like, he, I, he, I think he was only actually legally married. What once, maybe twice. And the rest of his quote unquote marriages were all shams because they weren't actual legal marriages. Right. And then those poor mistresses, I mean, right. just killed them. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, you know, that's another thing that, you know, you know, through research and stuff is that he was very much a, um, what would you call him? I guess, uh, charming, you know, very charming, very a manipulator basically. And he could get, get anybody to be like, Oh my God, we're best friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why he was such a good fraudster. I mean, he convinced everyone of everything. I mean, I don't, the other thing you were saying too, about how the time was so different and he could change his name and move city to city. Another thing that you would never be able to do today that he just pulled off so seamlessly was like, it, he would just grab a, a random body, a cadaver or someone he murdered or whatever, and just be like, oh, this person, and he would pull them off as someone else, has died and I'm here to collect their insurance. Like, like nowadays, 
that kind of crime could never i mean they would they would check the dna of the of the body right but he was he was like ahead of his time he was like oh i'm he's actually very smart if you think about it i don't want to give him too much credit because he's a crazy person but very smart the way he pulled all this off well i mean but that uh, then it was more of i guess an honor system back then right it was a situation where everybody kind of just trusted what everybody was saying they weren't as connected as we are now uh you know they something that happened on the west coast it would take days upon days to reach the east coast and it was only reach one side or the other if it if it was big enough news right mm-hmm. that's true you know but he, was, he knew that he was like no one will know i'm doing this and now i'll pick up and go across the country and then i'll go halfway back and then i'll turn around and go south like he just went everywhere right and you know and then he would you know, he, he, he conned his way into getting a, a pharmacy and then a farm. And I mean, I don't know, man, I don't, it's just a different time. I guess we we're so skeptical and we're so cynical now. And we're, you know, we're taught not to just trust people blindly that I just can't wrap my head around just letting some random stranger come into my life and then take half of my worldly possessions, you know? Yeah, maybe it's because of people like him that we're taught not to trust him anymore. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, and it's, he's just, I don't know, man. His whole philosophy was just, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. Like, he, he's fascinating, but it's also scary at the same time that he was just able to kill so many people and just move around freely. And the his con is what ended up getting him caught. It wasn't even him killing somebody. It was him trying to pull off a con, you know, with murder involved that that ended up catching him up. Yeah, I know. He didn't even get busted as a murderer. I mean, he turned turned into being... uh, Didn't he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he confess to being a murderer himself? Right. Yeah, it was his... It was his... It was his uh, friend slash confidant, I guess, whatever you want to call it. They were running an insurance scam, and he, he ended up actually killing him instead of pretending to um, have a dead body, you know what I mean, that looked like him. Uh-huh. And that's where, you know, he tried playing that, oh, he's he's in London. He's just, you know, you he can't be here right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And they... Because of the insurance scam, that's what started tripping him up. And then at that point, he's like, yeah, he's dead. And then he's like, yes. And then he ended up, like, it was crazy. Like, at, at one point there, he's he's on, like, three different expeditions with three different people. And it's like, one is his quote-unquote fake wife. The other one is uh, Benjamin's wife and two of her kids. And then another one is him and three of her kids. Mm-hmm. And... He ends up killing those three kids, but is able to pull it off for a couple of months that, oh, they're just here. Don't worry about it. But and they just believed him. Like, I still don't know how like he talked this woman into giving up three of her children. Like, how is that even possible? Well, maybe she needed a break. She had five. (laughs) I mean, that is, I guess, a fair point. I don't have kids myself, but I could imagine I would need a break. I'm sure she was like, take them, take all five. If you'd like. I'm here, here, take them all, take them. <laughs> no, but he was, like you said, he was like a trusted family friend. So 
a lot of people don't really question if a trusted family friend wants to, I mean, nowadays, maybe a little bit, but you know, back then I feel like that was just a, a thing like, oh, go with Uncle Holmes or whatever. <laughs> He's <laughs> taking you on a fun trip and then they're all just dead. Right. And that's, but that's just, I don't know, man, if you, I don't know if you have kids or not, but if you have kids, would you like not being able to connect with them, you know, as quickly as we can now just give them up to go on a family trip or a, a trip like that? Never, 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 <laughs> <laughs> never, never. But, but it was a different time, you know, and it was, maybe it was, you know, maybe there was money exchanged and we don't know about it. Like he was going to, like they were going to be workers almost and help the trip across, you know, I don't know. You never know. That's still, I don't know, man. I just couldn't imagine just like, here, here's my kids. Take them. It's fine. Like, I no. don't, that's, yeah. the, that's crazy to me. No, I'm not sure helicopter parenting was a thing back then, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think like, I mean, because the reality of it is like the even even like husband and wife dynamics were different back then. Right. Like the husband would leave to go on business for months with no contact. And then just all of a sudden you get a telegram and it's like, hey, I'm doing great. This is where I'm at. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, the whole thing, the whole family dynamic was different. There was obviously no checks and balances. There was no even interstate talking between police like there is now, you know, there's nothing like that, like along those lines. So it probably just facilitated everything. Right. And that, you know, and that's just something that more of a recent thing in itself. I mean, you can even, you know, as far as police departments talking amongst themselves, that just started, what, maybe 30, 40 years ago. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was, he definitely took advantage of the current state of affairs at the time. I 100% agree. Do you guys think that um, somebody could pull something like this off today? You know, I would say no. And yet, Lauren DeMola's been missing for a year. So, you know, whatever version of it, um, I think you'd have to get just crafty and used to your advantage, whatever the, you know, you'd have to work around today's technology. I think, do I think that people are smart enough to pull off crimes and get away with them? Absolutely. This particular exact blueprint, what he did? No. Right. To be able to build, like, I just don't think anybody could build like a murder castle or necessarily like a. Well, not, I don't, I don't think, yo, in the heart of Chicago or any other major city, pretty sure. No. Um, But, you know, we don't know if these things exist in, you know, other places remote and there certainly is, you know, trafficking of sorts happening. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it's, I think, yeah, I think there are a lot of sickos out there still. Put it that way. I think that, I think the difficulty in building that murder castle today would be all the permits you'd need because, like, everything would have to be approved by the local government. And, and you can't just hire and fire crews halfway through a staircase to, like, hide what you're doing. You have to, everything needs a permit now. Like, you know, like Hillary said, in the, the rural, more secluded areas, maybe you could pull something psycho off, but I think it would be harder with those permits. Oh yeah, for sure. And that, you know, and that's probably, you know, instances like this definitely shaped the way 
local governments, you know, as well as the federal government probably handled situations, you know, and that's where that checks and balances came in is that there was a lot of people like H.H. Holmes, not necessarily to this murderous degree, but that just took advantage of the situation. Yeah. And I, there's something with that murder house that has always made me, this is obviously a different scenario altogether, but have you heard of the Winchester mystery house? I have. Okay. So that's happening at the same time, basically as H.H. Holmes, but of course far away and like, what was it? California. So I, it's funny because the murder house reminds me of the Winchester Mystery House insofar as staircases go to nowhere, rooms are blocked off. Not the torturous aspect, but the confusion part. And of course, you know, she had a whole other psychological issue going on with that. But like, I think, I don't know if he could have been inspired by that or he even knew about it or it was a thing you did when you somehow came into a lot of money and could where you, you know, made these, I don't know, it, it, just for some reason, it it reminds me of it. Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. And then it comes down to, you know, is it something, you know, you know, as far as like the Winchester mystery is that, you know, there, that's obviously there's a lot of psychological issues there, right? And, you know, is that something that they, maybe within their mind they were trying to escape something so they felt like they couldn't control their mind but they can control the building that they were in so at that point they could have these you know different aspects to almost release their mind you know what i mean that's a really good analysis are you a psychologist i am not (laughs) you really seem to understand the psychopath mind right (laughs) it makes sense though people take control of what they can So, I mean, that's like when I'm feeling stressed, I become OCD about the dishes. I'm like, everything has to be clean. The dishwasher has to be loaded perfectly. Like that's my control. But for these people, their minds were way crazier than mine ever gets. Um, cause I have not become a, a serial killer torture person, unfortunately. Cause well, I'm so glad, cool. <laughs> I'm glad, well, no, I'm glad to hear that you're not a psychological torture <laughs> serial killer no, or otherwise would we wouldn't be, cool be having this conversation, right? No, no. Yeah. We're not coming after you. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, I think that's a good, what you just said was a good analysis. Like people, people take control in whatever way they can. And for some people who have sick and twisted minds, it's a sick and twisted way that they find control. And then there's boring people like me who just want all the dishes spotless all the time. <laughs> way perfectly. Different. Well, I don't know, though. I don't like food poisoning, so clean dishes is probably <laughs> a good thing. Good. Thank you for appreciating my one crazy <laughs> Um, You know, but, like, as far as, like, psychology and stuff goes, I mean, it, it's so fascinating. Like, I've watched people struggle with mental health. You know, I've seen people that have been diagnosed schizophrenia with you know, borderline personality disorder, OCD, I mean, different kind of the aspects of, you know, psychology and mental health, as well as watching somebody go through a mental break. And it's, it's crazy from the outsider's perspective, to watch somebody's mind, just twist them themselves into a pretzel, like, watching somebody struggle with OCD is truly something that, you have to almost untwist them to try to help them to get them to see the bigger picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like obsession with the specifics is a lot to take someone away from. Right. And it, and it's not even something 
to where you and I were, were just like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, the littlest thing is something that is huge in their world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but that's another tangent in itself. We could, I could talk about that stuff for hours on end. I think you should become a psychologist on the side. Look at uh, you your- know, I've thought about it, but uh, that means I'd have to go back to school and who wants to do that? <laughs> You could just offer discounted services with no degree. Oh, like there we go. Like a, like, a, like a backyard doctor. Hey, come <laughs> see me for $5. I got you. <laughs> I can't prescribe you no medication, but I can talk to you. There you go. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, do you guys have any other thoughts or feelings on H.H. Holmes or this crazy manipulator that is this this gentleman? I had one other. So I, this is my, my most curious inquiry about him is later after he had his, um, murder hotel up and running and he, you know, was dumping bodies and burning them and, you know, burning their skin and flesh off and the acid and gassing and all the crazy things he was doing. He, was actually selling fresh skeletons to the universities for their med school programs. And it's like, what was his drive? Like, I I actually started to wonder at one point, like, did he just, was he so numb to murder and like life that he was like, you know what? I would rather make money. And it was just his drive was to become like more wealthy or was he really enjoying the killing? That part to me was so strange. Like I, I just, and I, and then the other part about it is that's even stranger is when a bunch of local universities start getting fresh human skeletons from the same guy who's selling them, how did no one put together that maybe he was collecting these fresh bones from him, you know? some right like, like no one was... put that together they were just like thank you so much for this new skeleton we'll use it in our studies <laughs> right which is which is still a i i and i get it like in, in medicine and and for advances you have to study the you know whatever the actual act of what it is so of course they wanted human bodies but you know like you said if the same person keeps bringing you bodies at that at some point you're gonna have to ask where the hell are you getting these from yeah, no one asked. They just were like, thank you. Here's $500 for this dead person's bones. <laughs> right. And then he had the audacity to request his, his body to be encased within, what, 10 feet of concrete so that way nobody could rob his grave. Mm-hmm. Which yep. is, it's like, hey, buddy, you've been stealing bodies like almost your whole life. If somebody steals your body, that's kind of what you get. Yeah, I know. But he was, didn't they do it for him? Didn't they, they actually did. grant him? Yeah, yeah, they did. Because they then, of course, the conspiracy theories was, you know, oh, he survived and he was, he died somewhere else. So they dug up his grave and it was, you know, definitively proven that, that it was H.H. H. Holmes who was buried in his grave. Yeah, I know that must have been a fun exhumation, like drilling through 10 feet of concrete. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine the smell? No. Well, I don't know. Do you think that, I don't know, maybe the concrete kept it preserved? I don't know. Right. But it would be, uh, I couldn't imagine it would still smell good at all. I can't. That is is a horrifying smell. Yeah. I don't think exhuming anyone's body would smell good. I've never actually thought that way. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. (laughs) You're welcome. See, this is what I'm here for is bringing you new insight. (laughs) 
the rest of the day, I'm just going to be thinking about how bad it could smell. (laughs) (laughs) So now you got to go do the dishes so they don't smell, see? Yes, the dishes will need to be washed, scrubbed, (laughs) and put away meticulously in the cabinet. (laughs) Well, why don't you guys go ahead and plug your podcast, where they can find you at, any websites, anything like that, anything that they can do to try to help bring uh, Lauren home. So then that way, hopefully we can bring her family justice. Okay, great. So our podcast, again, is called Complicit, a true mystery podcast. Um, It's available everywhere that you stream your podcasts. Um, We also have a, a, as you know very well, a Twitter account. Uh, You can follow us at complicit underscore pod. Um, Our Instagram is at complicit underscore podcast. Our Facebook, which is I would say Twitter and Facebook are our most active outlets. Um, our Facebook is at Complicit Podcast. I wish that I had made them all the same, but you know, you got to throw a little wrench in there for everybody. They're all different. Um, and then our website is complicit-podcast.com. And I will say that um, the Facebook has a lot of engagement from friends and family members and and locals. Um, we also on our Facebook have a complicit podcast discussion group. Um, so both of those are great. If you get into the story and you want to see what Lauren's actual friends and family and locals who are out there in the trenches doing the searching and organizing events, uh, think about what's going on. That's a great place to look. Oh yeah. And if you post a pic, a picture, oh my gosh, if you post a question, you can post a picture too. Why not? But if you post any questions in the discussion group or the Facebook page, um, her family members will actually read and answer. They're very active on social media. So it's a, it's a great resource for anyone who's trying to armchair detective their way into solving this case. Uh, like we are. Oh yeah. So, and then, um, on our website, the complicit-podcast.com, there's so many resources. Uh, the story has a lot of players, a lot of places, a lot of events. And the way we tell the story, we kind of jump around the timeline a little bit. We start with the missing, then we go back in time to explain what led to it. And then we go forward in time to after she was missing. So we actually have a timelines on the website so that you can keep track of what's what and when it all happened. Um, and maps labeled with locations of things in case anyone, you know, like we aren't familiar with Cape Coral personally. So, you know, that map even helped us. Um, and then there is a, fa- a private investigator who was hired by the family. He's amazing. And our website also has a link to contact him. So, you know, if anybody happens to be local or in the know of any information that could be useful in helping to solve this case, that's a really easy way to directly contact him too. Well, awesome. And like I said, you know, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of you guys and and your mission and what you're trying to accomplish. And hopefully we can bring answers to our family for sure. Yeah. Thank you. And then, so every guest that I've ever had on the show, I've always asked them one question at the end. Would you guys mind answering? Go for it. If you could be one sandwich condiment, what would you be and why? mustard yellow mustard it's the best i'm obsessed with it i currently to this day eat mustard sandwiches and i'm not kidding it's hillary by the way like like just mustard on bread like mustard on bread i want a picture of this because i don't <laughs> like mustard on bread like i'm hungry for a snack oh i'll just put some mustard on bread that's what i do and what, 
What about you, Caitlin? Oh, my favorite uh, sandwich condiment is a pickle. Like, I don't even need lettuce to make. I mean, I love all the condiments, but a pickle just changes the game. I think we we both seem to like a vinegary, salty situation on our sandwiches. I see that. What's your favorite kind of pickle? Oh, dill. Like a like a good like not not like a kosher not co- not kosher. What's the word? Not like the ones you buy on the shelf at the grocery store that are neon green, but like the ones you get in the refrigerated section. That are oh, like yeah. actually like a natural color of pickle. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Clausen pickles are my favorite. Oh, yeah. Clausen. I'm really into this one called Grillo's right now. If anybody's never tried a Grillo's pickle, you go for it. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have mustard, which she eats mustard sandwiches, which I've never heard. I've, and I'm God's honest truth, I've never even heard of just putting mustard on a sa- on bread and eating it. So that's different for me. Well, give it a whirl, Kevin. I don't know about that. That sounds, I don't know. I don't, I, you know what? Fuck it. I guess I'll try it. <laughs> Add a pickle. It'll be delicious. Uh, you know what? There we go. We got pickles and mustard sandwiches. That sounds, I don't know, unique, I guess, right? I feel like don't tell anyone that because everyone will be like, are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am. Thank you for asking. <laughs> but again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, wait, what's any... your favorite sandwich condiment? You know what's funny is no one has ever asked me that before. Uh, so I will answer that. My favorite sandwich condiment would have to be probably, I know, and a lot of people are going to hate this, but I'm definitely a Miracle Whip guy. Uh, I grew up with it, but mayonnaise mayonnaise has grown on me over the years but miracle whip has always been my (laughs) go-to look it's your comfort zone i get it right oh my god we could do a miracle whip mustard pickle sandwich you know what you try it and you get back to us (laughs) well you try it first you're the one who likes (laughs) mustard on bread so but again thanks for coming on i appreciate you guys and if anybody out there has any information please don't be afraid to reach out to Hillary, Caitlin, or the Cape Coral Police Department. It's definitely a, a case that we want to bring answers home to their families. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on, and I hope you have a good day. All right, you too. Enjoy your Bye. new sandwich. <laughs> Bye. Oh, and look into Carl Panzram. <laughs> oh, yeah, Carl Panzram. I'm going to definitely have to do that. Yeah, he's, he's a real piece of work. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. And remember... You never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room. Hi, I'm Anna Thomas, host of the Apple for the Teacher podcast. Let me tell you what it's about. So you might be thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime, where you wouldn't expect to find true crime. In schools, yes, schools. I will share with you the tragic and shocking stories I have uncovered in my own profession. You will hear stories about murder abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, kidnap and ransom, school camp tragedy, the list goes on. But it's not all doom and gloom. 
as well as the bad apples, you will hear good apple stories as well, such as the teacher who uncovered sexual abuse in her school by the principal and the schoolboy who saved his classmates after their school bus was hijacked. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So I hope you can join me soon, but until then, remember to be a good apple.